This is Mercy Harper, writer for research services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm here with Stephanie Barnes, Chief Chaos Organizer at IntelliKey, to talk about implementing radical knowledge management. Welcome to the podcast, Stephanie. Thanks, Mercy. Glad to be here. So we had Stephanie on the podcast last year to learn about the concept of radical KM, an approach that helps people adapt to constant change by reintroducing creativity into organizations and knowledge creation processes. And now that Stephanie's article on Radical KM is out in Business Information Review, and we'll provide a link to that in the episode description, we wanted to get her back on the podcast to learn about the practical tactical steps organizations can take to make Radical KM a reality. So I think let's just jump right into it. So Stephanie, if you've got, say, an average KM program in an average organization, how do you find a good opportunity to start experimenting with Radical KM? Just start. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, I think we get too caught up that it has to be some big thing. And, and I say in the article, and I tell people when I talk to them, you know, we don't need to make this a big deal, you know, and, and think of it, use the model of, you know, um, Gorilla KM, just go in kind of under the radar initially, get some success stories, some anecdotes, you know, from get people talking about it. And, and so and then you know, gain support, but that initial start, just sort of talk to people and see, start with the KM team, even and just see and then just start sort of casually talking about it and, and broaden it out from there and, and just let it grow naturally. It, at some point it will, you know, start taking on notice and then you can start, you know, being a bit more formal about it, but there's no need to sort of declare yourself to the world. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of um, declaring yourself um, and kind of stating your intentions, if you're going to go in kind of guerrilla style, um, how and when do you approach leadership about this? What would you recommend? You start there or start without I, it? I start without it. I'm a big believer in, you know, asking for forgiveness rather than permission. And so, and I, you know, and especially with the creativity stuff, I just frame it as an experiment, you know, that, I, I've been reading, I've been hearing about Radical KM, you know, however you want to position it with, with the team of the people and the people that you're going to start with. And just say you're curious and want to see what, what's happened. It's, uh, and then just let it go, like, like talk about it and see what happens and iterate and, and yeah, try out different activities, um, start bringing it into other teams start talking about it with other teams and other groups, other departments, and, and just let it kind of grow naturally. At some point, you may want to sort of go beyond that, certainly. And that's, you know, at that point, hopefully you've got enough anecdotes and maybe some data to back up, you know, some problems that were solved that you had been, that the team had been stuck on for months, you know, um, and because of the creativity work, they had a breakthrough, you know, and have some stories and some data around that, that you can share and then, you know, and, and share that with management and leadership. And, and then that's the time you can make it a bit more formal. Very cool. I think that removes a lot of like, you know, perceived barriers to getting started that you can kind of start wherever and you don't necessarily need to create this big, you know, 
uh, business plan that needs to be presented and socialized with leadership before you're allowed to get started. Um, I think that's really cool. So I know that you, uh, in your paper, define two approaches to implementation, icebreaker and studio. So could you give us a few questions or maybe, you know, maybe start by identifying what those are and then give us some questions that KM teams could ask themselves to decide which approach would be best for them? Yeah, so um, the icebreaker is, is what I was just saying, the little small little things, 10 minutes, you know, a guided meditation, a little scribble drawing, a little, you know, um, improv activity, just something that takes five or 10 minutes just to loosen people up, get them out of their comfort zones, get them thinking about things differently, um, shifting their energy. Um, and those are easy to, to start. The, the studio is much bigger um, activity and, and does need some more support um, because you're gonna buy some art supplies and some other things and maybe even create a, a dedicated space to it. Um, although in the, our days of working virtually and working remotely, that looks a little bit different, but you're definitely gonna be able to be buying some, some, some kind of supplies um, and sharing those, maybe sending them out to people um, in their home offices. Um, you know, so that requires a bit more budget and a bit more support, but, and yeah, that's harder to do sort of guerrilla mm. style. Um, sure. Although you can do one-off certainly, um, you know, a, we're going to do a, a one-day session uh, to try and brainstorm and come up with a new vision or strategy or, you know, whatever, something like that, that's, that's mm. sort of time box and specific rather than an on, something that's ongoing um, in the space. So, and what's going to decide, you know, which one you're going to do, that's going to come down to what the organization's ready for. Um, the icebreaker stuff is is easy to get started. It's low pressure. It's low notice. It's you know you don't really need to. Nobody objects to ten minutes to to do a little experiment of a scribble drawing or a, a guided meditation. Um, the the studio does take a bit more you know, budget and and there's got to be a bit more willingness in the organization to try because there is bigger budget mm -hmm. and it's it's more visible um so yeah it's it's not so much questions as well the question is what's the organization ready for yeah that makes a lot of sense so the next thing i was thinking about was detractors and you know whenever there's something kind of fun and creative that comes up in the workplace. A lot of people say that's not real work or, you know, that doesn't count or that's, that's silly. Um, and those people can be, you know, leadership position people, but they can also be people right on the, on the front lines who just, you know, feel uncomfortable with this idea or, or think it might be not a good use of their time. So yeah. how do you, how do you think KM teams should deal with these detractors? Well, there's there's a couple of things that come to mind as you're sort of describing that scenario, and and one is about creating psychological safety, and so having a conversation with them, maybe not in front of the group, take them off to the side or at another time, and understand what their concerns and and issues are, and have that conversation um, with them in and help to create some trust and some yeah some openness and some curiosity and 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 not judging them. Um, just being open and curious about, you know, what their concerns are. Um, 
the other part of it is the other thing that comes to mind is there's you know detractors always whether we're talking about radical km or just km um, there's always somebody that doesn't thinks that they know better that they're, they're not interested they have all the knowledge they need or you know whatever and so i always say you know what leave them alone if they're not interested any of the km programs i've ever worked with in almost 25 years of doing this there's more stuff to do than there is people you know km people km team to to do it so if you've got a team that's really pushing back about you know not wanting to participate in in the creativity stuff no problem you know there will be others and there are others that that are keen and interested and so leave them leave them to the side and and let them come back to you and and a lot of times they will sometimes they just need to see what other people are doing and what the experience is and and they need to watch the back and watch a, a story comes to mind from when I worked at at Hewlett Packard and one of the teams said you know would have been good to get them on you know early in our program and they just resisted and um, about 18 months later they came and said oh, well, you know, are you still doing that? <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, you know, we're doing it. And and I connected him with a similar team that had done, you know, we had just finished doing some work with, and he came, the guy came back to me and he's like, oh, that's what I want, <laughs> you know? And then he became my biggest, you know, salesperson out there. Everybody should be doing knowledge management and they've got to get on the the technology. And this was before um, Radical KM, but the, the idea is the same. They will come back. Um, and and forcing them at a time when they're not ready to participate is is just going to cause mm -hmm. you and them a lot of pain and discomfort and so just let them go and and focus on somebody that wants to participate and and be involved absolutely now that makes a lot of sense and it kind of made me think of a a, a sub question i wonder if you've ever encountered um situations where folks kind of turn this stuff into a competition uh, or anything like that. That's something you often see with these kind of extracurricular work activities. I'm thinking more of, you know, um, these activities where you're kind of like building something together or there's some sort of a game. And, you know, perhaps that can also arise in this more artistic space where people kind of aren't aren't getting the the point of it, you know, <laughs> anymore. Have you, have you uh, experienced that at all? <laughs> I haven't seen that with, with the Rattle KM stuff. Um, I have definitely seen that with with KM. I have a Bird Island workshop that that I do sometimes and we're building towers and using blocks and, and things and I have seen people get really competitive and it's about knowledge sharing and collaboration and you know and all this all these knowledge management concepts and I have seen teams get really competitive and not share and I'm like mm -hmm. this is this, <laughs> no no this is not the point. Um, so the the artistic stuff and the creative stuff I don't I haven't seen people get so competitive with it um, maybe because everybody has a different sort of perspective on what's creative and artistic and and the and they're all feeling a little bit more vulnerable mm. so there's less kind of they're not going to be competitive with somebody else because they don't want people to be competitive back with them they've already oftentimes have enough you know of the self-talk that's giving them a hard time um that's yeah they don't tend to to um 
I haven't seen that sort of projected out to other people so far, at least. Yeah, that makes sense. And maybe is, you know, part of the advantage of this strategy over other kind of engagement tactics, because there's not a clear way to win at a meditation session. <laughs> and so, <laughs> no. you know, um, you know, while that kind of uh, drive to, to, you know, win the whole big prize is, is a motivator for some, it's, it's not necessarily the, the best motivator for sharing knowledge and, and engaging in um, group innovation and things like that. Yeah, well, and the, the creativity stuff, like the, the drawing and the painting and stuff, it's all um, abstract. So there's no sort of mm -hmm. Apple still life sitting in front of us and go, you know, they can't go, oh, well, your shading's not right there, or that doesn't really look like the apple, or you know, so it looks like whatever it looks like, and uh, or hopefully it doesn't look like anything at all. Um, so, um, yeah, less so, yeah, less kind of possibility for, for competitiveness, totally. Um, so, something I've been thinking about is that organizations often fall into this trap of positioning creativity and exploration as sort of a one-off activity that's separate from real work, whether that's a brainstorming workshop that happens once a year and the results go nowhere, or an icebreaker that kicks off the meeting before like the hard stuff really begins. There's often this really clear barrier between creative stuff and real work. So how do you kind of scale Radical KM and really bake it into the culture? Um, I let it find a space. I mean, those examples you gave are, are valid examples. It's about making it more regular and, and not just a one-off, you know, once a year. It's maybe monthly activity for some reason or, or in all your meetings, start off with a guided meditation or a little scribble drawing, a little creative activity. Um, there's lots of them or an improv or something, you know, take 10 minutes at the beginning of the meeting and and do these little things and so bring in then the little things um the bigger things i mean you're really not going to do the bigger things every week you know um although given the size of an if how it depends how big the organization is maybe there are regular opportunities for different teams in different parts of the organization to be using the studio space you know i think about the the one case study that i talk about in the the article and they had set up a studio space initially for two two teams. Um, it was a, the Danish government, and they set it up to use with this these two teams that were supposed to work together and, and weren't working well together. But when word got out about the success that these two teams had had, the studio space then was getting used by other teams, by other parts of the organization. So it became much busier. So um, yeah, so it's it's all about making that sort of available and, and opening up the space and seeing what happens and yeah, making it available. Absolutely. So I wanted to close out by asking you for your favorite radical KM success story thus far. I don't know. Um, there's, you know, I don't know if I have a favorite one. I love it when people, and this happens fairly regularly, people, you know, so there's not one of them that stands out. It's the little things. It's not the the mm. big things. You know, it's the the little things when we do a, a scribble drawing, and somebody says, "Oh, they have been stuck with you know on this problem," and in this five minute scribble drawing, they just got some insight into how they're gonna you know solve this problem they've been struggling with for for four months. You know, 
I had somebody on a in a guided meditation um, afterwards say that had she had been really um, anxious about something that had happened in her life and the the three minutes of the guided meditation had that was the first time in months that she'd been able to kind of relax and stop mm. obsessively thinking about this this thing that had happened and and so it's those little stories that that's like oh that you know that really touched me that that this little, I'm going to say silly guided meditation, which is about letting the one I used all the time. And I like it because it's just about letting go of a flower. Um, you know, it is, it's really simple. It's really unobtrusive. And yet it has had these big impacts on, on people. Um, so that's why, you know, I say, just do the icebreakers. Don't worry about the studio stuff. If you got organizational, organizational support for the studio stuff, great. Absolutely you know, jump right in, but start with the icebreakers. There's some big impact stuff there that comes out of 10 minutes, you know, of, of a guided meditation or a scribble drawing, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So that's a great part of it. Absolutely. So just do it folks. That's, that's what I like it. Absolutely. Um, do it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Stephanie. No, you're welcome. Thank you for having me back. So listeners, definitely check out Stephanie's article and website that we'll have linked in the episode description. And once again, I'm Mercy Harper. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast. Please go to apqc.org to learn more about our research, and we hope you have a great rest of your day.